D. Alford shines brightest as several young Falcon players improve their chances of making the team after the team's 19-3 preseason opening domination of the Miami Dolphins. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another illustrious podcast, the Daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Falcons is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who's going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, the very humble host of this illustrious podcast, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, formerly covered the Falcons at Falcfans.com, R.I.P. And we thank each and every one of you who makes this podcast your first listen each and every day, especially on the weekend, right? You know, following the footsteps of the everydayers. Shout out to those folks that subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today is our not-so-rapid reaction podcast. You may have heard me and Jarvis Davis of ATL Day Ones on the Locked On Falcons postcast, available on the Locked On Sports Atlanta YouTube channel, as well as the Locked On Falcons audio feeds on your preferred podcast platform already. But I decided to take it easy, you know, know, didn't necessarily feel compelled to have to get out some quick content Friday night for you guys so we're recording this early Saturday morning you're probably listening to this at some point over the weekend but let's talk about this preseason game right and it was an impressive performance in in a lot of ways right we did not get to see very many of the Falcons starters in this game we did get get to see a couple of guys that we expect to play a lot this year D Alford Arnold Nebuchadne Parker Hesse among others right but it was mostly a game where this was featuring a lot of guys that may be fighting for back in roster spots as well as practice squad spots. And we'll see the starters next week, right? I'm a little disappointed. We didn't get to see, you know, we didn't get our blue magic uh, this Friday night with B. John Robinson and whatnot, but you know, we did get to see several of those guys that, you know, are relatively safe, like Arnold Abiketti and D Alford and Parker has, he makes some plays. So we'll, we'll talk about the guys that helped themselves potentially make a back in roster spot a little later on today's episode. But what we're not going to do too much of on today's episode, we're not going to spend much time trying to read too much into this quote unquote impressive defensive performance. And somehow it's going to be predictive of what this defense is going to look like under Ryan Nielsen this upcoming season. Sure. It was a certainly impressive defensive performance. You only gave up three points. You got several turnovers, five sacks, four turnovers, three interceptions, including a pick six from Breon borders, right? This defense looked good. This third string defense looked good in in this game, but we're not going to use that as something to predict that what the first string guys are going to look like, you know, come the regular season and use that as some indicator that somehow Bryce Young and Trevor Lawrence are going to be constantly under pressure that AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are not going to be able to do anything because we're going to dominate uh, the run game. We're going to, you know, shut down Amon Ross St. Brown and Jameer Gibbs and all that stuff over the first couple of games of the regular season, simply because Breon borders and Timmy Horn made a couple of plays in a preseason game, right? That would be a kind of a ridiculous assertion. Um, But, you know, 
you know, it's not to sit here and say that that stuff won't happen in a regular season. It could very well happen in a regular season, but we're not going to be basing that off of what third stringers and practice squads players did in the preseason. And, you know, for the life of me, I, I don't understand how people in the year of Thomas Moore said 2023 are still doing that and trying to project and predict the regular season based off of what, you know, guys do in the preseason. But, you know, we'll leave that aside. The last little tidbit I will say before we get into sort of the star of the game, which is cornerback D. Alford, is it is funny to me that a couple of summers ago when we were playing the Jets in the preseason and Greg Williams was blitzing out the wazoo uh, in that preseason game and Falcon fans were declaring that Greg Williams is the dirtiest player and the dirtiest person in the world and a classless coach by blitzing in the preseason. Meanwhile, Ryan Nielsen's doing that throughout this entire game, like pretty much all the Falcons sacks in this game. I think two of them were coverage sacks and two of them were blitzes. And I think the one that was a legitimate sack uh, you know, at least in terms of bringing just four pressure was the last one, which was Arnold on a spin move, uh, which was glorious play. Uh, but, you know, when Ryan Nielsen blitzes, it's like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. So it, that hypocrisy is, is funny to me. But anyway, the player that helped himself the most in this game, I think was D. Alford, right? Now, I don't think we went into this game concerned about D. Alford's status as a cornerback. I'm sure probably if you go back and listen to a podcast we did in like June, said, I don't know if D. Alford's a lock to make the roster, blah, blah, blah. But basically, ever since then, he's been taking all the first string snaps at the nickel. So he's pretty much a lock to make the roster there. He did play in this game as the nickel cornerback. I think he had a pass breakup on the first couple of drives in this game. But really what stood out for D. Alford was the punt return touchdown that he had in late in the fourth quarter, right? He was one of four guys that Arthur Smith named when Avery Williams went down with that injury back in June as the front runners for the punt return job alongside Mike Hughes, alongside Penny Hart, Josh Lee. All those guys played in this game, but I did not see them returning punts. Alford was the only one of those four guys that did get a punt return in this game. Matthew Sexton also got a punt return in this game. I couldn't see who else was out there on the punt return team, but Alford did the most with his one opportunity as a punt returner, right? Taking it 79 yards to the house in the fourth quarter, uh, showing all the skills that you want to see from a punt returner, speed, quickness, the ability to make guys miss vision, all that sort of thing. And it's hard for me to imagine over the next two games that somebody else, whether it's one of those three guys like Josh Ali or Penny Hart or, you know, whoever else the Falcons have out there returning punts as they've had a, a sort of a revolving door in practices at, in that role. It's hard for me to see anybody else taking, doing out performing what D Alford did on that one play, right? You know, pretty much if you take a, a kick or punt return to the house in the preseason, historically speaking, in my experience, that's pretty much a guarantee that you're on the going to make the roster. And, you know, again, D Alford wasn't really in danger of, not making the roster, but I think that pretty much guarantees that he is going to be our week one punt returner. We'll see, you know, would love to see, you know, a couple other guys take some, you know, have some big returns that may make it a little bit more interesting by the end of the summer, but not necessarily expecting that. So I think that is the biggest takeaway from the game. D. Alford is going to be the Falcons punt returner. You know, there will be my second biggest takeaway will re revolve around the Falcons rookie class, right? Uh, in terms of what we didn't see from Matthew Bergeron might tell us something about, you know, his grip on that left guard position. And we'll break down the rest of the Falcons draft class to continue today's episode, as well as other players that stood out. But we'll first give you sort of a quick recap if you happen to miss the game so that you can get that necessary context needed so that when we go through which players stood out, you'll know exactly what happened. And we'll get into all that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. 
So guys, we're talking about the Falcon players trying to find jobs in the NFL, and you might be a small business owner or hiring manager that knows that your success in 2023 is based on finding the right people to hire, but it's a little bit easier for you. You don't have to necessarily deal with Ryan Nielsen's simulated pressures when you don't really have the ability audible in a preseason game. Uh, you just got to go to LinkedIn Jobs, who's going to help you attract the and hire the qualified candidates by matching you with the people that have the right skills, values, and experiences that will help you achieve your goals this year. You can put your free job post in minutes in front of over 800 million member profiles to find the most qualified candidates. With LinkedIn Jobs, it's easy to screen and rate applicants based off of the, your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to for faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So if you miss this game or just need a quick refresher on what happened as you, you know, are still coming down off of your high on what Ryan Nielsen was able to do in this game, you know, in the first quarter, the opening drive, Miami did a good job moving the ball down the field, but DeMarco Helms got a nice interception at the goal line off of a Trey Flowers deflection. The Falcons did kind of move the ball a little bit, uh, but things sort of ground to a halt on their opening drive around midfield thanks to a pre-snap penalty. Then in their second possession to start the second quarter, the Falcons were able to get their ground game going, and that was capped off with a Godwin Iguabuque uh, 11-yard touchdown run. I, I noticed Kyle Hinton uh, had a nice sort of key block on the second level on that play. Young Wake, who missed the, the extra point on that particular uh, score. Um, and then we saw the Dolphins continue to sort of move the ball at will against the Falcons, thanks in large part to a 35-yard run by Miles Gaston. But then going for it on fourth and two near the goal line, Breon Borders was able to break up a pass, got some pressure from Timmy Horn on that play to get that assist on that play. But then, you know, the Falcons didn't do much. Dolphins get the ball back with five minutes to go in the first half, got another big play on a 39-yard end around to Eric Ezekama, but then had another fourth down at the six-yard line. Uh, and Joe Gaziano got some pressure uh, in Mike White's face, tipped the ball, and Tyler Croft, the Dolphins tight end, couldn't make the diving grab in the end zone there. So the Falcons got another red zone stop. Um, and then in the third quarter on the Falcons' second possession of that quarter, they were able to move the ball. They got a big play from uh, Zay Malone on the 27-yard pass. But then once they got inside the 10, things kind of ground to a halt, and the Falcons went for it from on a fourth and five at the seven. Uh, Logan Woodside's pass to J.J. Ortega. Whiteside was broken up in the end zone. Uh, Miami's next possession that ended at the start of the fourth quarter. Scott Thompson was now in the game at the quarterback position. He sort of heaved up a prayer. You know, on a third and 19, Lucas Dennis uh, tracked the ball well in the air, snagged in the interception. Falcons kind of failed to capitalize on that drive with a three and out. Miami got then got their first score on the subsequent drive uh, on a 49-yard field goal. Miami's next possession ended on a Cliff Chapman sack on a blitz. They punted. DeAlford then took that to the house on that 79-yard punt return. Miami's next possession ended quickly. There was a pass deflection off a Dolphins receiver into the hands of Breon Borders, who took it to the house on a 26-yard pick six. Then uh, that wound up being the final score of the game. Miami's final possession after that pick six, Arnold Ebiketti, uh had a nice spin move, uh, hit Skylar Thompson, knocked the ball loose, recovered it at the Dolphins 34. Arthur Smith then tried to run up the score a little bit, you know, tried to run a double move to Matt, Matt Stax, Hexton on the ball, and, and Woodson and him couldn't quite connect in the end zone. Uh, and then after that point, basically ran out the clock from there. So that's the broad strokes of the game, so sort of the key plays and whatnot. 
you know, and when we look at this Falcons draft class, uh, the guys that we were eager to see what they look like, you know, we didn't get to see Bijan Robinson, aka Mr. Bojangles, aka Blue Magic, right? We didn't see Clark Phillips or Matthew Bergeron Phillips due to injury. Bergeron because of reasons, right? And as I told Jarvis Davis on the postcast on Friday night, I think this is a very strong indication that the starting left guard spot is his, right? I wouldn't say he's 100% locked it up, but if this was a true competition and Matt Hennessy was going to come back and play and compete with Matthew Bergeron, I think you would take this opportunity this week to want to get a nice evaluation of Matthew Bergeron. But if it's not a competition and you're nearly ready to declare him the week one starter, then it makes sense to rest him alongside the other four guys that are entrenched starters on that offensive line as the Falcons did. And so that means that the Falcons would be comfortable sitting. So trying to read the tea leaves, it does seem to suggest that uh, Matthew Bergeron is going to be the Falcons week one starter. So that to me is the second biggest takeaway and biggest revelation of this game after D Alfred's being the punt returner is that Matthew Bergeron is probably we can, pencil him in right you know we could probably ink him in as a starter week one so we'll see if something happens over the next seven days but uh, assuming he starts next week against Cincinnati and, and performs reasonably well right like he doesn't have to be great I think we can declare him the week one starter um Looking at Zach Harrison, I thought it was an up and down game for Zach Harrison. He made a couple of splash plays, had a nice tackle for loss, missed another one. You know, I thought some of his bad reps, especially against the run, were due to him kind of being laid off the ball. And that allowed guys to sort of get position against him. And he got moved off the ball a couple of times. So that's something he's going to have to work on. And maybe that's a contributing factor going back to what we talked about with Zach Harrison after the draft, that like why he wasn't as effective against the run. You know, when you're a pass rusher, typically you key either the ball as a way to get off the ball or you key the movement of the blocker in front of you and whatever Zach Harrison was using the key, it wasn't working. So uh, that will something be something that he has to clean up, but we saw flashes of what we wanted to see from Zach Harrison. So, you know, certain things got to improve there. Uh, Javon Gwynn, you know, he got some work at center in the second half. I wasn't that impressed with what I saw from him uh, in this game. Um, so nothing really stood out there. DeMarco Helms, the other Falcon seventh round pick. He did stand out to me, uh, had a nice interception. As I mentioned, um, then had a big hit on Devin a chain, uh, late in the game. He did exit the game briefly to get evaluated for a concussion. And, but I do think he did re-enter the game. And after the game, Arthur Smith said there were no major injuries. So it seems like Helms is okay in that regard. So he was impressive to me showing that ability as a run defender and also, you know, being basically in the right place at the right time off of that Trey Flowers deflection uh, early in the game to get the interception. So that was a promising thing for him. So we'll continue to break down some of the other guys that I think helped and or hurt themselves with some of these back in roster spots uh, as we wrap up today's Locked On Falcons. So wrapping up today's Locked On Falcons, I want to give a special shout out to the everydayers, right, who make this illustrious podcast their first listen each and every day. We'll be back potentially tomorrow um, or tomorrow evening, I should say, Monday, if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast with a guest, I believe Mike Rothstein of ESPN. I have to double check my calendar. I think we'll be on with us and we'll break down sort of what he saw in this preseason matchup as well as some of his observations in training camp uh, as well. But let's talk about sort of the roster spots up for grabs, right? For me, going into this game and throughout the summer, I, I kind of felt like there was like 10 spots up for grabs for the Falcons on their 53-man roster. That would be the fifth wide receiver, uh, the whoever are going to be the three backup offensive linemen beyond 
Bergeron, Hennessy, and, and the other four starters. Um, the fifth interior defensive lineman, now that Eddie Goldman uh, is retired, the fourth linebacker, the sixth and seventh corners, the fourth safety, right? Now, if you do the math, you might notice I only mentioned nine spots. That's because the 10th spot is basically what I often call a grab bag position. It could be anything. It could be a fourth running back. It could be a sixth receiver. It could be a fifth tight end. It could be a fifth linebacker. It could be a fifth safety. It just kind of depends on who performs well enough for the Falcons to say, we, we can't cut this guy. And it also may depend on injuries, right? For example, right? Seven safety, seven corners, right? I thought already that we might keep seven corners, but I think especially in light of the Jeff Akuda injury, because you're going to have one less body on week one, assuming that Jeff Akuda is not back in time for week one, you might carry an extra corner. So that's where, you know, seven corners comes from. So let's break down each one of those positions and sort of who whose stock went up, whose stock went down. The fifth wide receiver still seems a complete toss-up at this point in time. I don't think anybody really moved the needle in a major way. I think Zay Malone probably had the most impressive catch on the night on that 27-yard play, um, and that's certainly going to help his case, but I don't think that's going to necessarily push him to the front of the line in that case. So I think we'll see this play out over the next couple of weeks and see who consistently emerges. Uh, again, that fifth wide receiver spot is probably going to be heavily based on special teams. If D. Alford is the punt returner, that limits, you know, guys like Penny Hart and Josh Ali's uh, chances, but maybe it's uh, an opportunity for someone as a gunner on the punt team. You know, Frank Darby was out there early in this game as a gunner, so we'll see how that all plays out. Josh Ali did have an opportunity to get himself a big play on a go ball, but he kind of dropped it. Looked like he heard the footsteps on that play. Now, when we look at the three backup offensive linemen sort of going into the week, you know, or at least my official breakdown had like Jalen Mayfield, Javon Gwynn, and, and Josh Miles as those three guys making those last two spots. As I said earlier, I wasn't that impressed with Javon Gwynn. I thought Ryan Newsel uh, did perform reasonably well and, and seems like he's created some separation between him and Javon Gwynn uh, for that interior offensive line spot again i thought kyle hinton had a couple of nice blocks including that key block on the touchdown run by godwin Iguabuke in the second level josh miles didn't really move the needle for me uh Jalen mayfield was okay in this game right if you you look at the first couple of series where he was going up against emmanuel agba and it's like why is emmanuel agba playing in this game <laughs> right um you know he really struggled against agba you know a quote-unquote real nfl uh starting defensive end as that right tackle uh, but later in the game, he he was fine. Um, so, you know, if you, you want to tell yourself that he looks better as a right tackle, you can find snaps where he, he does look better as a right tackle. And if you want to say, mm, I don't know about that, then you can also find those snaps. So it's all about sort of your preconceived bias on that one. I thought Tyler Vrabel had a rough night based off of what I saw uh, sort of replacing Jalen Mayfield at that right tackle spot in the second half. So, you know, Miles didn't do a whole lot to me. Uh, and none of these other guys. So that swing tackle position that is a wide open spot, I think remains wide open. And, you know, this game did not necessarily make me feel better or, or lower the chances that I think the Falcons will be seeking outside help at that swing tackle uh, position. Now, moving to the defense side of the ball, that fifth interior defensive lineman that's presumably going to take over for Eddie Goldman, you know, besides D. Alford, I probably would say Timmy Horn may have done the most to help themselves in this game, at least from my perspective. I thought he was very disrupted both against the run and as a pass rusher. As I said, he got that pressure on that pass breakup to Breon Borders at the goal line. Albert Huggins also made several plays as well. Uh, so those kind of guys stood out. The Falcons were kind of rotating guys in and out of the lineup, um, you know, and so 
I'd have to really go back with a fine tooth comb and, and really watch the film to see if anybody else sort of really emerged, but nothing really jumped out to me uh, other than those two in, in Horn and Huggins. And I think Horn is probably the front runner for that spot, you know, due to what he did last year, making the team as an, as a UDFA, but Huggins is nipping on his heels for that fourth linebacker spot. You know, Nate Landman probably is the front runner. Tay Davis, who I also had projecting as making the team as a fifth linebacker, I thought had a rough night. He was, you know, he made a couple of nice plays, but also was out of position, you know, made, misread some keys and whatnot. So didn't really help himself. I don't think Andre Smith did a whole lot in the fourth quarter to help himself in that regard. Mike Jones Jr. did have a nice, a couple of nice plays as a pass rusher when Ryan Nielsen was dialing up those blitzes, had a half a sack, and I think maybe had another quarterback hit in this game as well. So, uh, you know, he helped himself at least potentially making the practice squad um, the sixth and seventh cornerback spot. You know, those were Trey flowers and Darren hall for me, Trey flowers. I, I certainly think did himself, um, you know, well for himself uh, with that pass breakup uh, on that first turnover on the Helms interception. That was a good play by him heads up uh, awareness on that play to sort of peel back on the rollout and break up the pass. Darren hall, uh, I didn't see him until like the fourth quarter. And that's usually not a promising sign where you, you don't get on the field until like, at the very end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, but maybe he got some earlier work that I, I just missed. Um, so I'll have to check the tape on him. But, you know, he 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 seems very firmly on the roster bubble. I already kind of declared Darren Hall kind of the 53rd guy in terms of making the roster for me heading into training camp. So uh, it feels like he, he might be looking on the outside looking in. I thought Breon Borders probably besides Trey Flowers or more than Trey Flowers certainly helped himself made a number of pass breakups had the pick six obviously did have a couple of mistakes in this game you know Natron Brooks got some of the work at nickel I thought made some plays as well he had a sack and on one of those Nielsen blitzes um, Borders is suspended for two games for PEDs at the beginning of the season so even if he does find himself working towards a roster spot he won't count towards the 53. So, you know, that will give an opportunity for the Darren Halls and the Natron Brooks and the Cliff Chapmans and all those other guys uh, to potentially, you, you know, sneak onto the roster ahead of Breon Borders. But certainly I think Borders, you know, if he continues to play like this, you know, the team might keep him around after that two game suspension uh, and bring him to the roster for the fourth safety. As I said earlier, I was impressed with DeMarco Hellams showed out as a run defender. I wasn't that impressed with Micah Abernathy in this game. I thought he was a little lost both in coverage and against the run, but it was notable that he did get the bulk of the work from what I gather as the personal protector on the punt team. And that was something that was kind of hinted to us in training camp uh, as that may be his role for the team, similar to what Eric Harris did the previous year as the fourth safety. Um, and so I think that does bode well for Micah Abernathy, although most of the guys that we saw out there on that initial punt team, other than Bradley Pinion and Liam McCullough, I don't know how many of those guys would be qualified as starters, at least as far as special teams goes, right? Uh, we did see Frank Darby and D. Alford out there as gunners. I don't know if those are, are going to be the first guys up when it comes to the punt coverage team. So I don't know quite what to read into it. Like if, if Abernathy is quote unquote starting as the personal protector next week against Cincinnati, that to me will be a very, very strong indicator that, you know, he is the front runner for that fourth safety, even if DeMarco Hellams, uh, you know, to me, outplayed him in this game. Lucas Dennis obviously had another interception. I know Slade Bolden also got some work on that personal protector team on the punt team. So we'll 
I'll go back and review the tape, go through a fine tooth comb, break down the dev chart, post it up on, on the internet for you guys to see, you know, we got graphics now, so it'll be even better in the future when we do that. But, you know, this is one game, um, you know, we'll see these guys continue to get reps next week in the second half. Uh, a lot of these players against Cincinnati, in addition to probably seeing a lot of the quote unquote starters, the real starters, why I don't need to quote that that that's actually a true statement <laughs> there's no quotes for that the actual starters next week against cincinnati um and then we'll see probably all of these same players with minus a couple of guys that probably have solidified their roster spots like i don't expect arnold epichetti and d well maybe d'angelo malone but i don't expect arnold epichetti to be playing in the fourth quarter against the steelers in that third preseason game like he was to uh you know last night against the miami dolphins so i don't think anything is sort of one yet besides the punt return job, D. Alford, and I, I feel like Matthew Bergeron is like 95% of the way there to be that starting left guard week one. But, you know, these guys will have plenty of opportunities after this game to help themselves or potentially hurt their chances of making the roster and especially the practice squad because that's going to be really where I think a lot of these players that played against Miami, especially against the Steelers in a couple of weeks, will be fighting for those spots so we'll we'll see you know how that unfolds over the next couple of games you know we'll see what mike rothstein of espn has to say about this game as well as training camp and you know who's helped and hurt themselves um you know uh on tomorrow's lockdown falcons so continue to make us your first listen for your second listen you know if you want to check out how the dolphins look you know the the enemy perspective, so to speak, uh, go check out Locked on Dolphins. Of course, Locked on Sports Atlanta will have you covered not only for this preseason action on ATL Day ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanisha Batiste, but hitting hard and John Chuckery, as well as get you guys covered for, you know, all the Atlanta sports, including, you know, what's going on with the Braves right now. Or, you know, are they in a position to make this run or, you know, do they still need a little bit of work? You know, I know things have been kind of up back and forth you know, since the all-star break. So go check out locked on sports Atlanta as your second listen, or, you know, check out locked on NFL um, to get the coverage of all teams, you know, who stood out in these opening weekend of preseason, as well as your second listen. It's all part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Ryan Nielsen's a cheater.